Hey, and welcome to The Art of Comedy. I'm Maggie Casella. You're on Peach Radio. And uh, today with me is actor, storyteller, playwright, TV writer, comedian, and author, Diane Flax. Wow. I know it's a lot, and I'm yeah. not done. Okay. Because I, I got, you know, for those people who might not be familiar with their, your work, first of all, I feel very sorry for them. Um, it's a big list, so I'll just do the highlights, okay? Sure. Um, you're a writer. You've written a, a book called Bear With Me, which became a play. Um, I, I'm not going to talk about that yet, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, it's kind of a, all right, funny, point, poignant book about what to expect when you're expecting, mm -hmm. except a kind of a kick in the Except, face to that yeah. uh, particular book. A uh, couple of plays, few. Uh, Bear With Me, Waiting Room, By a Thread, Sibs, and most recently, Unholy, mm -hmm. which I managed to miss, and I'll tell you why. Uh, written for TV, Kids in the Hall, Working the Angles, Young Drunk Punk. Um, print, you write for The Globe now or The Star? Uh, I or both. Was writing for the Star, Star. and the Globe, and yeah. now I'm mostly doing CBC Radio. CBC Radio. Which we can say. Yeah, yeah of course. Fine. And hello. <laughs> Thanks for the money back, Justin yeah, Trudeau. No we'll talk about that, too. Uh, actor. One Woman Shows plays TV's most recently a film called uh, Portrait of a Serial Monogamist. Um, hot. Woo! Um, yet still a comic. What? Yes. Um I think I first saw your, what I would call, unique brand of performance. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's scary when people say yes. that, right? It's Very unique. brave. It was so brave. It was brave. <laughs> <laughs> strong work. Oh, strong. Um, I, I think it was, in, was it 96? Oh, it was the 25th anniversary of Stonewall, I think. And also during the gay Olympics, which you're not allowed to say. <laughs> right. Because the Olympics sued the gay people. Is that? Yeah, oh, yeah. So you have to call it the gay God. games. Okay, gay right. games. Yes, it was the gay right. games. Gay That's Olympics, right. gay Olympics, gay Olympics. Mm -hmm. Okay, then. Um, and that was in New York. Yeah. I was in New York at the uh, public theater. Town Hall. Town Hall, right. Town Hall. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I said the public theater. I've been there, just never performed. Oh, Yes, I have at Joe's Pub. Joe's Pub. There you go. Yes, but Town Hall's Town so Hall's much bigger, amazing. It's huge, yes, giant. It's a theater. It's yes. actually yeah. yeah. And I instantly like I was like a gog. I was a gog with you as well. Yeah. Well, you were amazing. Um, also, uh, the mom of two very cool lads, Eli and Jonathan. That's Please right. welcome Diane Flex. Yay! Shannon McDonough, of course, is here with me today. Adam is uh, working the boards, and he's just working it. Um, I have been starting with a question that most people end with. So if you listen to the podcasts, then you know. Okay. Um, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay. Um, this is the art of comedy. But uh, just you can this is a broad you can give a broad answer to this question. What uh, what is your legacy going to be? What do you want your legacy to be? Ooh. What do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> oh, geez. See that? You weren't expecting that, no. were you? Um, no pressure. Which means she didn't listen to the other She didn't die? No. But she didn't uh, die. I, I actually have kind of a mission statement, mm -hmm. which is to um, make people laugh and get over themselves. So but just by being a woman up there who is funny, all your preconceptions, all your stereotypes, all your limitations got to fade away because you're just going to laugh. And I want people to open up and say the things they are thinking but not saying. And I think that's, I hope that's what my work is going to stand well, for. Uh, well, I think you, it, it already ha is. I mean, you get a lot of, um, and I'm going to put air bunny quotes around it, mm. provocative and funny, mm. um, which I think is an overused term like thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Please seriously never say thoughts and prayers to me. Oh, okay. I don't. No, Just it's don't not. because I'm sorry. It, it's like, how you doing? You don't really care. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Come on. Strength and love? Okay. Okay. I'll go with strength Warm, and love. Warm energy? No. Anything okay. that, anything but thoughts and prayers. Um, I'm just going to delete my Facebook yeah, exactly. post. Yeah, Vi but, but vibes. I think it's important uh, in comedy uh, that when people say uh, funny and provocative, it is to me anyway, because I, I, I think it sets you apart from sort of the the average stand-up. Mm. Um, there's anything wrong with the average stand-up. So... You said that's what your mission statement is. Did you set out to do that from the very beginning? No. From the beginning, when I graduated from theater school, I thought, well, people will hire me. 
uh, to be the funny friend or something <laughs> or the, you know, but uh, everything you get sent out for when you're 22 is the dumb ingenue or the, you know, Coke commercial or whatever it is. And, and I was like, wow, that's so bland. That's so uninteresting. I actually have something to say. I have thoughts in my brain. And I realized if I'm going to actually play female parts that have something to say and have thoughts in their brain, I have to create them myself. And I got, I was really angry about it. And that's what just started me going. And then I just thought there's so much every stage of life. There's so much to say. When you're a young woman, there's so much to say. As you get older, when you become, if you become a parent, as you get into middle age, there's just so much to fight against, and it's just never stopped. So you started out as an angry, as an angry comic. Yeah, probably. You, you think as a kid, you felt that same way? Did you, you know, I mean, because a lot of times people are like, were you a funny kid? No, I was a really serious kid, and then I got a bit funny, but I was also, you know, Right. You know, I was a little chubby girl, right? I wasn't popular. Oh, so there's all really? that stuff. Oh, God. So like, you can tell that. Come on. No, no honestly, I would have been a you million can tell years. It. No, Diane No, Black. outsider. No, come on. No, I'm sorry. Hot lady. Oh, my God. Would not have Adam, thought chubby what's kid. what's happening to me today? This is great. Would not have thought chubby oh, kid. Oh, yeah, for sure. No for real. Outsider, really? Yeah, really, really, really. And I was in, I went to Hebrew school. So Baruch. I would get, yeah, Baruch Hashem. You would get very outraged. Can I know already? Yeah. At the horrible things that you learn and you're supposed to just accept because we don't understand the way that God works. We can't understand Plus, it. Plus, thank God you're not a woman. Thank God I'm not a woman. Exactly. So maybe it did start when you were a kid. Yeah. I mean, maybe the the uh, the, the candle, the fire was lit. For sure. But, you know, you realize really quickly that there's no point in getting angry unless you can make people laugh and see it. You know, there it's it, it's so much more satisfying. When you, when somebody who, especially if it's someone who's on your case or you know doesn't, isn't accepting you, when you do make them laugh, then you know that's the most rewarding moment where they actually are forced to come into the boat with you and be in the same boat for a second. So let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, um, how do you meet it? I mean, you can't necessarily, sometimes if you meet that kind of person who's not in the boat with you right away, I always say you get farther you know, with humor than you do hitting them over the head with a protest sure. sign. Um, sure. But you have to find a way in. So uh, and it's different on an individual level than it is on a level of here's a play and these people are going to come to the play. Yeah. So let's say, let's talk about on an individual level, because mm. I mean, I think there is a, an art to dealing with people um, in a funny way on an individual level when you're trying to get them into the boat. Yeah. I mean, for me, the greatest thing is to just be able to tease them actually about themselves, to find a way that whatever they're doing, you're, you're able to just pick a little something apart. Give me an example. Because I know you've done it. So Yeah, me sure. I mean, it, it could be anything. It could be some guy talking, spouting, you know, it, even about all this. So, well, I mean, there's a quota of women. So women are not as qualified but I guess they're equal number of them, but I'd prefer, if, and you know, it's just very easy to go, uh, you, you know, anything dumb, you stinky. You know what? <laughs> what are you afraid of? Come here. Come here. Come over here and sit on my lap. You know, just like, <laughs> come here. I remember actually, and I, I guess I can say this. You can say whatever you want. So I think maybe it was the first time I met Leah who intimidated me. Oh, no, that's, that's. Really? Leah? Yeah, Leah, Delirious? really, really, really. I was scared. I was at working on Kids in the Hall, and she came to see a taping. And I was really nervous to meet her. And so excited, too, because I thought she was so great. And Leah Delaria, Big Boo on Orange is the New Black, exactly. my writing partner, uh, jazz, singer, jazz singer, amazing actor. Amazing performer. comedian. She, and her and Scott together were tearing it up, just being oh, no. really provocative. Where's the snacks? And scary. And and so, and you know, I, I was the female writer on Kids in the Hall, and I, I don't even know if I was out yet. Maybe I was. And I just kind of, she walked in, and I just collapsed onto the floor on my knees and I said don't hurt me don't say anything bad to me don't hurt me that's so good to meet you don't hurt me and I it, it made her laugh because yeah. it was like it was cutting undercutting the fear or right. undercutting whatever might be in the room and it wasn't coming from her at no, all it no, was from no. me but I know there's a possibility she meets a new young person who's a writer maybe she's gonna worry what do they want from me I don't right. know yeah, yeah. so it's a way of diffusing tension right yeah it does work now now sometimes because if you tease the wrong person, they can get more oh, angry. Oh, yes, for sure. Um, and I, I do find that if you can't get them with comedy, you can also kill them with kindness. Yeah. That yeah. does also work. For sure. For sure, on a one-to-one. Yeah. -one. yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you never lose your temper, they sort of, they they, they, they lose. That's true. Now I get it. Now we've got them in the room. Mm -hmm. Or we don't have them in the room. So mm -hmm. let's just say, uh, let's talk about... Um, 
Well, I want to talk about your evolution mm -hmm. as a performer. And, and you said you started this way. You started, you know, angry and you knew you had to find an. You started as an actor and you knew you had to find an outlet. And you said so you had to write your own stuff. Now, so when I first saw you, you were doing more of a one-woman show. Mm -hmm. It may have been Random Acts or mm -hmm. um, a part of that show anyway. Um, and I, I couldn't bear it. I mean, I just couldn't bear it. I was dying the uh, – your. Between the and Shannon and I talked about the oh, yeah. the, uh, the Wonder, Wonder Woman bracelets. bracelets. Yeah. That was the first time I saw you. I think it was like ninety three, and, and you were doing the Wonder Woman bracelet comedy. Uh, between yeah. that and your heartbreak, rip, have, ripping your heart out and having your heart break, mm -hmm. I was like, oh God, yes, because it was disturbing, mm -hmm. but also funny. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've gone from that now book plays all of this stuff. What's about the evolution? Follows your personal life or not, or does it follow your your the the what you think you need to do for your career? I guess is what I'm trying to say. It does not what I need to do for my career. Sadly, yeah, I haven't been able to follow that track very well. But uh, why? Uh, I because I I realized the other day I thought there's something about me, despite being totally a goofball and sometimes very inappropriate, mm -hmm. that is actually kind of more on the on the continuum of sort of artist and professional <laughs> more towards the artist because even though I'm all Hebrew schooly and nerdy and everything else because I don't I don't I don't pursue the really right self-promotion I don't go I'm not doing it obviously for the money I'm doing it because I have to and I think that's been my kind of guiding through throughout my career because it's so hard especially solo shows so hard so lonely so terrifying mm -hmm. so awful you know you, the potential for disaster is there you know as my friend says you can work for five years on a show and it can get killed in one night yeah. in this climate this critical climate so you know it, it, it's so exhausting that everything that I decide to take on I have to take it on because I care so much that it's said it's mm -hmm. so important mm -hmm. to this culture to the zeitgeist to me and that's really the principle upon which I will start writing something and sometimes I start writing something because I get an image in my head and I can't let it go and it doesn't leave me alone or a series of <laughs> kind of vignettes. And I'm like, ooh, that would be amazing. Let's do that. But it's not reasonable. Well, why isn't it reasonable? Because there's too many of the things in your head or because at the end of the day, it doesn't put, uh, you know, peanut butter and jelly on the table. Well, maybe it's, a, it's not that sellable. Like it's not, you know. Let's. That's but, but you do it. I mean, it's um, your body of work is insane. I mean, I know what you're saying because my brain is always, you know, in those directions yeah. and going. This is and people and when I blurt those things out, people are like, "You should write that. That's hilarious." Yeah. Who has time? Yeah. And yet you somehow find the time, <laughs> you know, and you or you pick the project and you pick the one and you seem to pick the ones that are hits. Mm. So I mean, how? Do you know that you're going to reach the audience or, or do you never know? You have to well, know. Well, you know what? The thing is you don't you don't necessarily know except I really trust people. And I love I, I actually, you know, for, for all the dark stuff that I like to talk about, I actually love people. I love being live in front of people. And I understand that when I'm standing in front of a group of people, we will connect because they're here to connect. We're so like we're connected with our electronics, but we are not connected in our energy in our life. And when you, a human being stands up there and you know this and you know this as well, Shannon, when you stand up there and you know that you're saying something that they need to hear, that they're on, on the same track with, or even if they're not, they need to think about, they need to be culpable in making a choice and making a judgment around, they will listen. They want to listen. We want to be together, you know. Have you always felt that? I have, yeah. I've really never have. been frightened that um, you're going to get up there and people will not connect. Well, that for sure. You know, every single time you step in front of an audience, you feel like this is good, like my heart pounds and I sweat and I get very nervous and everything else. I don't have like supreme confidence, but I trust that I can do it. I know I can breach the gap. So because you're telling personal stories. Yeah, you know, it's funny because all of my work is personal, but it's only recently that it's been more autobiographical with but, facts. Right? But this, this is, this is, if I could just ask you right there, that very point, mm -hmm. because it's, you think it needs to be said, do you really give a crap if people, the, like the people who are there in the audience are, are connecting with it because they can and they are? What are the, the people who are amiss, do you really care? I do care. And I feel like it's okay if they don't agree. But I want them to participate, not in like audience participation, gross, let me come into the audience and yeah. you're on stage kind of thing. But the but I want them to be engaged. I want them to take a risk. I mean, you're sitting there in the dark, right? But if you can just if they if you can grab them enough that they'll listen, whether they agree with you or not, then 
that's what I'm hoping to do. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about your, your actual work, because some of it's like hard not to agree with. I mean, um, if we talk about your comedy work, um, well, you know, bear with me. Let's talk about the first book. That's the first book you mm -hmm, wrote. Mm -hmm. um, and that was your experience being pregnant and mm -hmm. being a first time mom. Mm -hmm. um, while you were going through it, were you thinking, I got to write this book? Or were you just, again, so angry because you, it's like, I think it's the same thing with a lot of women's stuff. Perimenopause, for instance. Sure. Like, uh, you know, I people should let people know that women who are perimenopausal are homicidal. <laughs> I will kill you. Okay? <laughs> maybe you really don't want to take my parking space, oh, sir. Oh, exactly. Okay? Because, oh. I mean, maybe I don't look like I'm of the age where I'm parent. It doesn't matter. If there's a woman and she looks like she's over 40, you ought to step, step the F back. off. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, but nobody really explains this to you about how cra this crazy crap is going to overcome your body yeah. okay i mean like i don't talk about it as a stand-up because i personally never want to go there about women's stuff but i do think there should be a, a warning label on <laughs> me right now <laughs> on women of a particular age you know i will kill you <laughs> i will and then i'll have a hot flash and then i'll feel better <laughs> so if you, you're going through all this stuff with pregnancy, which I have not done, mm -hmm. and, and there's this, that whatever book that is, everything you need to know about, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, mm -hmm. and you've read that, but you're going through this, are you not a little bit angry while that's happening? You know what's happening is I'm outraged. Okay. So it's different. It's not, it's not something, I'm, I'm outraged at the lack of information and that we don't talk about it more, and I'm heartbroken. Mm -hmm. I, I found it heartbreaking because people, I would meet, everybody wants to talk about it. And they feel that they're not allowed to, which is really makes me want to talk about. And and why are why do they feel like they're because not? Because it's oh, you know, ladies. every well, you're not the first, you know, woman woman to get break. You're not the first one, so it's like sh they don't want. It's like shut up about it. It's not a big deal. Why are you talking about it? Everybody gets pregnant. Suck it up. Suck it up and do it. I don't want to hear about it. That is our. Not, honestly, anybody, did anybody say that to you? Oh, tons of people say it. Well, you're not the first person to ever. You know, you're not the. I mean, absolutely. Mm. But that's not a reason not to talk about it. Okay. In fact, it's a reason to talk about it more. All right. You know? So you're outraged. You're so pregnant. outraged, but also totally heartbroken because I meet people who are going through like like um, emotionally or personally or, you know, really devastating stuff. And nobody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. So, of you course. Mean stuff that's going on with your body? With your body, with your relationship. With your emotions, with your sense of identity. Do you think this is funny? Do you think there's a well, way to get... Do you, do you I think, think heartbreak is hilarious. Okay, why? In the sense that we have to laugh. What's your choice? It's, it's, you know, I agree. You know, my really... So it's slightly off topic, but my my really um, kind of specific story... There is no off topic okay. with me. Awesome. We are restoring yeah. the art of conversation. <laughs> Conversate. Yes, exactly. Also God making up words. That's it. Go ahead. Uh, um, so, you know, my... I'm very upfront about it. My son was in the hospital for for uh, in the critical care unit for uh, about his first year. So we we had this terrible situation with him. We had this crucial um, uh, medical emergency, and it was so and during the course during of the his course hospital. of the okay. after three months of when he was in intensive care. Yeah. And it was so devastating and that nobody knew what was going to happen. And it was very – so the neonatologist on staff decided we're going to have a, a complex care meeting. So that means everybody, dietitians, the respirologists, the uh, heart people and the stomach people and everybody's in the room. And this neonatologist had just shifted on. We've been there now for three – at that point, four months. So he's just shifted on and my partner's name By is – By shifted on, you mean – He's just started two weeks ago to work okay. with us or not even – so my uh, partner is Janice. So he kept uh, referring to us as um, Janice and Denise. <laughs> Janice and Denise would like, Janice and Denise would like. And everybody's getting really tense, right? So I just, at one point, I just turned to Janice and I said, who the hell is Denise? Nice. <laughs> now is not the time to have an affair. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and everybody cracked up and I cracked up. And the kind of amazing thing was we're all laughing and in, in that state, in that hospital, you don't cry, right? When stuff is going on with your family, you know this. You just keep it, keep your sphincter shut. Yep. Don't cry. Yep. No. So everybody's laughing. I have not, I've really tried not to cry. And all of a sudden, as we're continuing to talk about my son in this, this dire situation, I just started to cry. I couldn't even, I, I, I couldn't, like my throat, it's the kind of crying where you can't speak at all. Yeah. Mm. Like, right. Sorry. sorry. Yep. And uh, I had to get up and leave. And 
it's only in retrospect now I realize that it was the laughing that unlocked that, and for yeah. everyone. And they talk about this story, like they hold on to the story because at the, at the hospital because it's like someone who stood up to a really impersonal guy who's who's not getting it, you yep. know. Well, everybody else was getting it on our team, and that person needed to be taken down, but in a way that wasn't going to offend or insult him, right? That was a way to use comedy instead of me turning and going, you know what? You don't know my name. Yeah. I'm here every day. You don't know my name. This, you, did you know my son's name? Like instead of doing that. I managed. I got to say, I don't know how you did that. I, I don't. Because you do know, Maggie, you know exactly. And so do you, Shannon. You're in the situation. It doesn't matter how desperately emotionally devastating it is. You're in a situation and you see the little comedy thing over there. You see it. You see the little angel of comedy over there. And you have to grab it. I think people need to know how incredibly sick your son was to, to, to understand. And I'm going to say this about that, uh, that, you know, you're. He was very, very, he was near death. Yeah. So um, there's a lot, a lot to be said for for taking that road. But that's the human spirit, though. I mean, this is the thing about, you know, I know this, and I, you guys know this, too, mm. from life. And in terms of, you know, evolution, besides losing our tail or whatever, besides the evolution of a person's I'm not, career. Wait, losing right? Your you're, ta- sa- you're saying. What? Wait a minute. You, this you, tail's not supposed <laughs> to be there. Oh, shh. I'm going to pull that off. <laughs> I feel really bad about me now and my tail. Oh, it's just a little tail. Sorry, I Little Rachi it. had a tail too. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. That's a beard he had. No, he had a tail. He had, he had a tail. Okay. Okay. Anyway. I'm so fascinated by that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have things happen in life and you start to realize this is how the world lives. And, you know, it's such a, in those really dark moments, everybody is pretty much everybody is is looking for the gallows humor. Everybody has these moments of laughter in all kinds of tests and challenges in life, right? They, they happen. They, they, I have to say that this this too. They they have to happen organically. Yeah, for I sure. mean the person who goes in there and is like, "Hey, cancer ward," yeah, nah, 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 oh. you know. I mean, you want to? They need to be stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I don't know why, but <laughs> they do need to be stopped. But you're, you're I think you're right. I, I just find it incredible that. It, I, I thought about this long and hard before this interview, um, just about how incredible that is. And that you, out of that, I understand how out of that came a play, mm-hmm. you know, came a, what I, I think will be a book too, right? Maybe. Maybe. Um, uh, that's Waiting Room, mm-hmm. um, which was also called Provocative and Funny mm. um, in one review I read. Mm. So um, I, I get how stuff comes out of it. It's just really, uh, I think... Um, I have to say, you know, I, I tip my hat to you that that any that you can you can get it out and you can go there and that you can do it because actually it happens naturally. It, it does happen, it, and I think we're a, all compelled. I mean, you guys are as well. I know you individually that you are as well. That you're compelled when you have nothing you can do about it in some way to make art of it because you know art and and communication. Because what else are you going to do? Are you going to start a foundation? Sure, maybe. You're going to go, you know, I don't know. What can I do? Yeah. I did, you know, I did start a foundation. I know, I know. know. So you can. Well, here's a question, though. I guess it's almost like at what point, was there at one point in your life where you were kind of given permission that it was okay to do that, that it was safe to do that, or you just jumped in and did it? I'm not, oh, there it is. Wow, what a difference, eh? Yeah, we should actually stay on the mic, Shannon. Thank you. (laughs) Using your hands is great, but in radio, it's always best to use the mic. This one? That one. Yeah, it's the one in front of you. Oh, okay. So I don't know if anyone heard any of that. Say it again. Ask me again. Was was there a point where you think that you were given permission to be able to to do that, that it was safe that you could um, not make light, but, but, you know, kind of chisel away at the ice using comedy? I think I started doing, I remember being like 24, biking home from some nonsense in the annex and some guy in a van pulled up and was screaming at me. And I, you know, again, not being, you know, a, honestly, a particularly desirable 25 year old. I was like, in my overalls, like, what is happening? And and it, it was because I, Was he yelling sexist stuff? Told, it'll just like come into my car. Like, I mean, yes, I'm going to go into your car with you now. Are you out of your mind? Like, I'm Jew. <laughs> what, what are you, I'm not even, get away from me. But it's just the, the, the sort of this thing about what is it about that people think young women can be hurled abused at? And we've seen lots of stuff about that. So I remember this happened and I went home and I wrote this beat poem. And what I did was I got the audience to snap. And then I did this ridiculous poem about being on my bike and it's a nice day and I'm having Caesar salad. And then it just went on about 
these guys yelling at me and what was I going to do to them and how could that happen and I want to kill you and the audience is snapping through the whole thing right they don't know what's happening but it was like here I was like 24 25 and it was my chance it was my way of doing it and then the with a big one for me was I had my very first real breakup from a relationship because I was finally out and I was in this relationship and I remember that I was devastated everyone saw it coming but me mm-hmm. I am devastated and I didn't know what to do with my energy so I found myself cleaning the light switches like <coughs> Picking up like all the piles of Kleenex and then just white, sort of windexing the walls. I didn't know what to do. And so then I wrote this character who was going through a breakup and, and it was the whole thing of like, I thought she was straight and all this stuff. She's about the new girlfriend and playing out the ridiculous patheticness, like going for the worst, most pathetic yeah, moments yeah, of that breakup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm making fun of myself, which allows me to feel the permission mm. to make fun of someone else. And that was so liberating to get to do that. Well, like, and people see themselves in that too. I mean, yeah. we've all cleaned the light switches, oh my, my friend, God. alone, <laughs> sobbing right. with a, you know, and and of course I'm Italian, right? Mm-hmm. And raised amongst the Jews. Right. So, so I even reuse worse. the Kleenex. Because <laughs> the Italians, we're the cheapest. Yes. We are. <laughs> You're the cheapest. Oh, my God, that's the standard line of mine. And we started the ugly stereotype that Jews were cheap just to distract attention from ourselves. So look at that, the cheap Jew over there. I said I'd give you 500. There's a 300 in the kish. Take it to the kish. Take it to the kish. Now, I would reuse the Kleenex. I would blow my nose on it. And then it's like, well, the Windex will kill whatever I... Um, no, but we've all I mean, we've all been there. And I, and I think that that's important. What really... Okay, and this is a thing of mine, and I want to ask you about this. Um Comedy for nothing. I mean, just the comedy for the sake of telling jokes that are supposed to make people laugh, but often are just really stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the value in that? Do you? Because you are so far from that mm-hmm. type of comedy, and I'm, you know, if there's a comic listening out there, and you're like, oh, up yours, who do you think you are? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I don't mean to insult, but mm-hmm. it does. It's. It's so much different from what you do, mm-hmm. um, because what you do isn't just comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's comedy, it's it's drama, it's all of that stuff. Do you see a value in that sort of like shaggy green? Hello, you know, <laughs> banana peel slipping. Uh, I do though. I mean, I because I kind of like really goofy stuff too, right? I just I love it. I love the the freedom of being able to laugh on without expectation. I remember once doing this dumb thing about like eating, being stoned and eating the dip or something. Like, oh I don't my. know, it was so dumb. And it was just like so fun to do. <laughs> so so I, I do, I mean, listen, I think I'm I'm a big fan of all kinds of comedy. I'm not a fan of comedy that's cheap and hurtful, yeah. you know, for no reason that uh, that can just... Okay, and then the, I'm not going to argue this, but I'm going to because yes, I'm going to be please. the devil's advocate. Okay. You know, doesn't a, every comic have every right to say whatever they want, even if it's cheap and hurtful, because they ha, it's a right they have a right to their opinion, and they can make a joke about rape, or they can make a joke that's racist, or they can make a joke that's because it's comedy after all, Diane. Why well, not? You know what? I think there's some validity to that. Like I think it is good. That, like our whole job is to be the fool and to take down the king and take down the sacred cows and everything. That's our job, and that's great. But fuck off, though. You know what? Back off. I don't like it. And I'm going to say I don't like it. You want to, if someone wants to say it, then I have absolutely no problem with attacking them. I remember my son said to me once, is there anything you wouldn't say on stage? And I went, yeah, I'd never say the N-word. And he goes, why? I said, why would I? I will never say it. Not for any reason. It's terrible. Its legacy is terrible. I won't say it. And he goes, well, other people do. And I was like, that's fine with that. That's fine. Let them do it. But I have no problem with coming down really hard on someone for doing that kind of stuff and calling it for what it is. See, now here's where I, where, where, and, and Shannon and I have had this conversation. My problem with words and calling them the N-word, the B-word, the C-word, the D-word, the F-word, I mean, I don't even know what anything is anymore, is I feel like if we want to have a discussion about a particular word, shouldn't we be saying the word that we're having a discussion about? Or is just saying the word, if you're not a part of the community, that the word is used as uh, some kind of uh, derogatory or, or attack or some kind of something, uh, is that completely, uh, and, you know, I, I want to talk to, obviously, a comic. I would like to talk to a black comic about mm-hmm. that and a, you know, South Asian comic about that. And a, But, you know, you're Jewish. So sure. let's say I, you know, I am I 
can I not, when we discuss the K word, am I not allowed to say You can it? say the K word. Like, I, I have no problem with that because I know where you're coming from. Like, if I trust where you're coming from, you can say pretty much anything. It's not going to offend me. I, I don't mind it. Like, I, there's just... But, I, but there's a point at, at For this me, point. it's very clear. Like, I have certain lines that are really clear for me that make me feel like crap mm-hmm. and I wouldn't do it. And I don't think are right. But, I, you know, we all have our moral... We all have our lines. And some people's lines are different. Like, I love Sarah Silverman. I love her rape jokes. Love it. I don't think it's funny. It, it, like, I don't, of course, obviously it's not, you shouldn't make light of it. You shouldn't dismiss it. But I love in some way that she brings a discussion forward. Even, even if I can sit there and go, wow, you're obsessed. Hmm. And do you know anybody who's been, maybe you don't. Like, I can feel uncomfortable about it. But at the same time, I, I think it's good. Like, start women talking. It's good in some way. So you know, but it's she's all a about woman, the inti- like, exactly. So right. it's about yeah. the intent behind it. Well, and that's very different from what some of the comics who've gotten who've gotten flack for uh, making rape jokes. That you know, they're they're off, they're men, and you know, saying something like, "Wouldn't it be funny if everyone raped her right now?" Well, Shut because up, also well, it's really easy, on. right? Like it's easy. I also what I don't like is stupidity, or people don't do their research. So if you're gonna make if you're gonna write something or or or, or take on a subject matter that isn't from your own culture, like I'm permitted. To, to make Jewish jokes and also they're funny. But if you're, you know, if you're not from the cult, if you don't have the uh, granted the, the the de facto right to make a cultural comment, you better do your research. You better know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And don't do something stupid and easy. That I don't like. That's offensive. Yeah. Well, I don't know. how. I mean, again, I, I always bring up Michael Richards. Like, uh, you know, um, that that was that was stupid and not easy. I mean, I, what happened to him was what I think is panic in the comedy world. And, you know, he went. In a direction where I think he thought he was going to get away with something that ended up being a personal attack on someone. And I yeah. think that is a, certainly a line. For mm-hmm. me, it is. Unless you're Lisa Lampanelli, in which case <laughs> All right. you're Lisa right. Lampanelli. And, you you know, every joke she has is going to involve some kind of racist, ethnocentric, anti-Semitic, uh, some kind of phobic, religious phobic something. Well, but isn't it too, though, we do, there isn't a rush in hearing people say things they're not supposed to say. Um I don't, it depends on the thing for me, you know, I yeah. don't really, I, I feel the only, I feel a rush of anger when I see a, a schlocky, shitty comic do a male comic do a rape joke. Well, you're one of the most ethical comedians though that I know, and this is true of of anybody that I know. You have a kind of steel, you can say anything and it doesn't matter how seemingly uh, uh, personal or, or or how on topic it is or how pointed it is because you have about you ethics, and I can feel that, right? I feel that about Louis C.K. He has some kind of, well, I don't know him, but I feel like there's some sort of core of an ethical human being. Well, Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But in terms of what his... Oh, no, I know about, what you're saying about him. I find... I, I, and that's true about, I, you know, so of course you thank would, you. you know, it's you wouldn't beyond, like some sort of cheap nonsense. Well, yeah, well, it's, would you even say that in real life? No. Well, why would you get up on stage and say, it? you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like... Well, I don't know. They. I think they would say it in real life. And that is, that oh. is you know... I, I, all right, so let's shift gears a bit because we are talking about the art of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you write some things for yourself, mm-hmm. um, and you but you write for others as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about having written for others and watching that. I like to talk to people about that who write and, and see their words. Um, I did ask Katie about it, and I asked God about it too. Um, what what is it? How, what's the, what feeling do you get when you see somebody? performing your words. Oh, it's really amazing. And, you know, because you really try to do, you try to put something out there that's real and that people can grab onto. And because, you know, being an actor, I love actors and I I love to see them, you know, grab hold to a character or to material and and put their stamp on it and put a, a living human out there with crackling, you know, dialogue between people. So something's happening between human beings. Love it. There is not a greater flop sweat in the world, though, mm-hmm. because you're sitting there and you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like the flop sweat uh, before going on stage, you know, if you have it, you, you're then going to get up on stage and you're going to throw energy into the universe and you'll get rid of some of that. But the adrenaline that you're, like, I'm, I feel it now just sitting here even talking about it. You just, the the the, the kind of, the stain, the sweat stain that goes all the way down to your hips, yes. you know, down along your, it's just, uh, it's incredible. So it's very, very nerve wracking, but uh, incredibly rewarding, as I'm sure they would say as well. Yeah, I had that sweat stain once when I was going through uh, airport security on a dirty weekend, and so oh, yes, what was I thinking? Done. What was I thinking? May I search your bag, ma'am. Oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> I know. 
know, I know. And he was like, oh, he went to layer by layer. And then I was like, he didn't go all the way into the bag. And I turned to my wife and I was like, oh, we dodged that bullet. And she was gone. What was this this little brunette head running away? Um, Anyway, uh, yeah. Okay, so now you've written other, uh, you're watching people do your words. Now you're watching you do other people's words like in the movie. But you're making an assumption, which is that I watch it. <laughs> you were I in watched the it because I, when... yes, but you know, I hate watching myself when after I've shot something, even if it's something I've written, I really don't like it because I feel like it's done. Yes. There's nothing I can do. I, I feel the same no, way. I feel done. the same way. Absolutely feel the same can't. way. I don't think Shannon does at all. You no. like watching yourself? No. Of course. Okay. You, of and, course. <laughs> Spotlight opens tomorrow in theaters. Yes. Yes. She has a, a small part in. I've got five seconds. Awesome. On the big screen. Very excited. Yeah, but and then you, I know for a fact, Shannon, you, wa- you you have regret. You watch and you're like, I wish I had done that differently or I should have done that differently. Well, I watch, I'll watch performances that I do uh, almost like I guess like sports people would watch, you know, to see that I did mm-hmm. it well. And so I watch to see what worked, what didn't work mm-hmm. and how I should tweak it. Yeah, I never do that. Me neither. Mm-hmm. I know by the audience reaction yeah. what half the time I can't even hear what the audience is doing. Hmm. Yeah, that's because your brain has gone into flop sweat. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's flop sweat brain. So you did watch yourself in a portrait of a serial sure. this and you were in that theater yeah. while all those people were right. in that theater. I mean that. It's I, very nerve wracking. Well, okay, you first come on the screen, and what happens to Diane's brain? Oh, I, I just. I'm like the kind of internal kiln of heat, you know, we're just sitting there and you go, I don't know, I can everyone see that? Am I glowing? Is there a phosphorescence? And I, I just, I was eating, like I was just eating popcorn and sitting beside uh, Shoshana Sperling, who was in, in the film, just like also making one of the jokes. the funniest people on the planet. You know, when we did a panel together, Shoshana and I, we were sitting behind a long table that had a, like a skirt and she had her legs crossed near my, near me. And I just, the whole time we were doing the panel, I undid her shoelaces and tied her <laughs> tied her two shoes together. That's hilarious. I mean, because I can't. I can't be serious. No. I know. No. No. It's I know. done. I've shot it. It's done. There's nothing I can do. Okay, I but now you're, I want to know what it felt sitting in that theater. It felt really weird. I, I just, you know, it's, it's... Like, did people it, laugh when you wanted them to? And it, was there you know, a... It was... What, wait, were they were, crying when you wanted... Were they doing what they... Well, you, you know... Did you evoke the emotions you... Did you see the... No. I did okay. not see it because it was a it's a weird it was a weird sp- that particular space was a very strange space okay. in that it it has the weird baffles in the ceiling it sucks sound so you can't actually tell what you can't hear people three people away from you but we did have a cast and crew screening where we had cast but we really did have everyone involved with them, and that was gratifying okay. because what I heard was they got the journey and and you know sometimes as an actor you have to make the journey whether it, sometimes it's in the script sometimes it isn't but it's your job to to with your even if it's not in words, to impart what's going to happen and what is happening through your state of being. That's your job. So I felt like I was able to do that, and they got it. And people were like, oh, no, oh, is she going to do And that was a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. So you feel like, yes, job job well mm. done. But, you know, don't you just look at yourself and go, oh. Yes. Yes. I do all the time. Yeah. I, I, it's so funny. I be- missed that moment. I should have, you know, we only had one take on that scene. Why didn't I demand another take? Because that's terrible. You know, it's all that. Yeah, well. Demand another Demand take. Like another, I'm gonna. I, I'm just, I, like I'm gonna. I just had this this big uh, there I am. production, Diane in the middle of a Hollywood production. I want another take. I need another take. I shan't be rushed. I will not be rushed. Um, do you think it's the comedy that, that brings people? It, I, I know you, you said that that's how you get people. Mm-hmm. But you think you could get the same points across with absolutely no comedic input at all i mean would would you even no no i'm not interested in that i don't think that's real i mean i i I, there were moments certainly my last show that were there's no humor whatsoever uh in waiting room that is just devastatingly kind of no room for of course but at the same time you know i know i think people need it i think they don't just come to be beaten about the head with feelings i think they they also come to experience a commonality which and a release and that's what it's for but no in my in my current show yeah i think even the actors didn't let's, realize let's talk a little bit. it's called unholy yeah. and it, set it up please so it's set at a fictional live debate yep. about and the question is should women abandon religion mm-hmm. and there's two teams yes. and one saying yes and one <laughs> is saying no and but their no is you cannot dismiss the no side in fact many 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 people came up to me after the workshop production and said i was of course coming in saying yes and i left saying no because because of these these arguments. Mm. So and it's about love. And uh, so it, it you know, the, I think the actors themselves didn't get I knew that it would be funny. I knew that there were things that were going to be the audience was going to go, what? 
And it was very rewarding. And if you just if you just hammered, you know, arguments at people, mm-hmm. they're going to go, why are you trying to teach me something? Mm-hmm. I know this. And maybe even if they don't. So if you can make them laugh at what's actually going on subtextually between the people who are arguing, then they'll hear the arguments. Mm-hmm. And if they can laugh at the arguments, they're not offensive. Because the, the risk with that show is I'm going to be offensive to, every, to the Jews and the Muslims and the Catholics and the atheists. And in fact, if, if you can make them laugh, they, they just go, oh, that's, that's true. And it's not, it's not upsetting me. And then again, I'm also okay if people are offended, and I'm sure they will be with that, because it's talking about God and religion. And it's, 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 um, I missed it. I know, yeah. Well, wait. But in, there was only four shows. Well, in fairness to me, yeah. Shannon will back me up. Yes. Shannon and I both thought the only showing was on the Thursday. Oh. And oh. so the poster didn't, I know, was, I know. Okay? Oh. Would, I, I, really I was like see. literally, I had my finger probably up my nose to my knuckle <laughs> on Sunday that we were doing nothing. Oh, no. I could have, my neighbor. Oh. My neighbor walking her dog. I said I was having you on the show, and she's like, "Oh my god, I just saw her. It was brilliant." I'm like, "God, you went Thursday night?" She goes, "No, I went Sunday afternoon." I'm like, "What? No!" Oh, and my son came. My 13 year old came Sunday afternoon. Okay, it was awesome. Well, yeah, because he could. Because he but because yeah. he knew about it. And you know, you guys, ladies. You know what? I should have been very specific in the thing that I sent out, but just hear this, just in. Just, just in. It is going to be produced next season. So at buddies, uh, we think so. We don't. I'm not allowed to say anything for sure. Okay, sorry. But it is. Somewhere it is going to be produced. Yes, absolutely. Well, I promise you, because I am one of your humongousestest fans, (laughs) and I miss everything you do. (laughs) I buy tickets to your show, something happens, and I don't get there. But that's what happens, right? No, it's completely unacceptable. I'm sorry, and I'm (laughs) going to say this to our four listeners right now. If you, like... You have to go to people's stuff yeah, that you admire. You really do. You yeah. have to support your people. Um, you know, I, I've had an excuse for not getting out of the house for a bit. You know, Joe you. Yeah, sure. But get, get get out of the house yeah. and you'll feel better. And you know what? If you can't make it, somebody just a really, a person that means a lot to me, she, but we don't hardly ever see each other. She sent me a note to say, I tried so hard to get there. I'm working a lot of jobs and I couldn't come. And it, it meant a lot to me just to know that she tried, that she wanted to. Because if you don't, you know, sometimes you, you can't make it, but let them know. Oh, I know. Let them know I, you I would to. rather absolutely have people say, you know, something than not show up. And there's a few people who, you know, have so not shown up for so long that I'm like, you know, now, now it's just... Now it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> you haven't said <laughs> Don't anything. Don't come now. It's just interesting. It'd be, uh, just to touch on that point, to personalize a minute, uh, the show I did re- recently in the States, um, you know, I was talking about the Pope. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I don't like him. Yeah. He's, to me, he's like a used car salesman that, you know, is like, yeah, who am I to judge? Uh, <laughs> Maybe you'd like this model, you know, but mm. really still trying to sell you a car. Sure. You know what I'm saying? That's um, absolutely right. Uh, so I, I did have this little uh, sort of piece where I was saying, look, I don't understand my lefty friends who are like, oh, he's the good pope. I'm, you know, as opposed to the pedophile hiding <laughs> yeah, pope right. or the Nazi, the Nazi supporting yeah. pope. <laughs> or true. The, yeah, you know, I mean, the bar is pretty, pretty low, low, right? Yeah. But. But having said that, it's like these are people who and this is what I said to them because I was very frustrated, like you described and outraged by it. But I could not articulate for the life of me why it was getting up my butt Mm -hmm. so far that I could feel it at my uvula. (laughs) Uh, There, I've said uvula in an interview. I love the way you say uvula. Who uses the word uvula? I like it. But I managed to somehow draw the correlation between the Pope and the head of a corporation, the CEO of a corporation that you might meet and think, well, he's a nice enough guy. But the corporation doesn't let women have the same jobs as men Mm -hmm. and doesn't, you know, treat gay people equally. If that was a corporation that this person who is saying to me, well, the Pope, I like this Pope, they would be all the freak over it. Why is this little tidbit of who am I to judge somehow now okay, the homophobia is okay, and somehow the the inequality with women in in the church is okay because he's not out there saying that, that, you know, I'm discriminating. Yeah, I mean, if it was a corporation that was discriminating, you would pick at them, you would boycott them, you would do all of that stuff. Tell me how it's well, okay. I think I think the whole listen. We don't have a Borgia for the first time, and we don't have Borgia Pope. We have a yeah. Jesuit Pope. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the Jesuits are all about the environment and poverty, and, and that, that's their whole thing. <laughs> I went to a Jesuit university for two years. <laughs> oh my God, those guys got so hammered, <laughs> hammered. <laughs> oh no, hammered. I love it. No, no, I'm not making this up. <laughs> I, I I won't name names, but Father hammered and Father yeah. more hammered. 
I partied with the, with the, yeah. Good well, I, had, I, I had a feather hammered. Yeah, hammered. Yeah. Anyway, I yes. love that. Yeah, the Jews always think the Jesuits are better than they are. They do. I had a very very close friend of well, mine. Well, I don't think they're better. I think they're they're just as bad. I mean, these are the people who go into Africa and who beat the religion and the and the traditions out of the indigenous people, and they did horrible things to women. I mean, these are these are the mo- they're monsters. So you know, friendly Francis. You know, yeah. grumpy cat. He's not. It's a grumpy sham. Cat. I think the biggest gift he gave us was Kim Davis because it's like, oh, gay yeah. people are welcome. Is like Kim Kim Davis welcome? Like, yeah. is that is that it? Like, give me a break. And the and the the the, the synod synod. How do you say it with yeah, the family? Right, right. With, with all these men in dresses sitting around talking about how couples are supposed to when and how and have sex and babies and when. It's it's absurd. No matter who, no matter, whatever face you put on it, it's still. It, you're right. It's still the corporation of the Catholic Church, and it, or it, they're all corporations. Though yeah, that's so the whole. Horrible. They're all they're all corporations, and they're serving their people, if you will, uh, one one way or another. Yeah. And, well, and the big challenge for me in my play in Unholy was to try and, you know, my that's my perspective. But I need I really wanted to do the work to present the. Uh, the point of view of the uh, modern Orthodox Jewish woman and the progressive Muslim and the ex nun. So who who you could actually, as an audience, you can go, huh, you know, maybe this atheist should shut up a minute. And I want to listen to that, you know, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I think for me personally, no, no God, no religion, not valid, not interesting. I wish it had never happened and was gone. But I, I don't. I, that's boring. That's not interesting. It's it's be more interesting to actually have a real kind of ideological wrestling match, you know? I always say I'm agnostic. How can I know? Who am I, God? <laughs> oh, okay, got to laugh because it doesn't usually... <laughs> I love doesn't, that. doesn't usually get a laugh. No, but any, anyway, just to finish my point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I this is what I ended up, you know, made a few jokes about the Pope and then I said this thing about him. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I'm looking at an audience. Uh, my first audience was like... Uh, Half the people I went to high school with, part because f- I was in New Haven, Connecticut, a p- part of my, my former uh, lawyer colleagues mm-hmm. and the dykes I golf with. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. like one of the most eclectic, like mm-hmm. it was a great audience. Like, mm-hmm. and so so that was cool. You know, I, it was a very mixed audience. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in an Italian Jewish mm-hmm. neighborhood. So like, mm-hmm. ha- you know, a fourth of the audience was Jews, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I actually had this guy come up to me and go, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're great, a great comic in the Jewish tradition and i was like not bad for a goya <laughs> pretty good you know sure i mean that's a compliment to me right but then i went to women's week and i was looking at all these uh, the sea of women oh, no. but uh, many of whom were wearing crucifixes right so <laughs> and they got mad uh, some of them got mad i could see they were angry at that part of mm. the joke so i um why? Why uh, because mad? did you remind them that they were women and really shouldn't say anything? About no, it? <laughs> no. I don't think that nobody said anything to me. I just watched the I watched the energy croak. The right. Little, I watched the bristling. The I saw the the discomfort, and so then I was like, "But you know what? Madonna likes him, so I could change my mind about that." And I threw up a slide of Madonna dressed as a nun, and it took the sing out of right. the air. Right. right. But right. I I I had to give it back. Mm-hmm. I couldn't just take it because hmm. they uh because too many people were hurt by it and it's i don't want to hurt them i don't yeah. want to hurt them yeah i just want them to stop asking me to make it to say it's okay hmm. well how do you how do you negotiate that line uh, i I, ne- I negotiated it by saying you wouldn't you wouldn't agree to this if it was a corporation so please don't ask me to agree to it no. as a religion fair enough they were mad and yeah. then i threw away the madonna right. joke right which made them laugh hmm. but i mean that's all i could do i don't think i convinced anyone mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually saw a bunch of heads nod, mm-hmm. but those are the same people who are probably as frustrated as I was, right? Well, you know, it's hard, right? What's great about it, too, is that you can admit your own questions. You know, that, that agnostic joke is fantastic because you're, you, when you can present yourself as a flawed human being who is as flawed as they are, then that's, you know, people... How did you come up with the unholy thing? Because it's a, it's a great premise. When I, you know, read it, I was like, why didn't I think of that? I, oh, it's know. so stupid. Why didn't I write a family drama? Or a mother-daughter story, for the love of God. Something I have to do something that's at a live de- fictional debate with four people talking about religion. Who cares? And then, and then you know, and then you flash back to these kind of moments of cognitive, terrible, heartbreaking cognitive dissonance in their life that informs their points of view. I mean, it could, I couldn't write a linear, a story with a beginning, middle, and end. No, it's I do. I set these ridiculous challenges, uh, but I do know that's exactly. It was like I had this image of the debate. I was, I was, I was captivated by the, an idea, and and I thought, well, I wonder if it would work. And then I started writing stuff, and slowly, slowly. 
developing more and more material. And then, you know, sometimes you find like just watching the production workshop, and that's why it's great I wasn't in it. For me, I was able to see really what's missing and this sort of extra, like with, when you're writing a play, it's so wonderful because you have to have about eight eight, 10 layers at going at once. And I was able to see the layer that was missing Mm -hmm. and go, oh, I know what to do. I know how to write that. It's images. It's not words. It's whatever it is. And, and find that it's, you know, and truly realize it's kind of about love and how religion poisons everything. But you know, you know, that's sort of, <laughs> on a lighter note, <laughs> and when she says religion poisons everything, she just means ice cream. Um, religion poisons every. Wait, yes, because there was something I wanted to just before I let you go. Yes, loop back to when yes. you said the actors. Uh, I think you, you were you didn't want to say they didn't trust that it was funny, but I some think, of them didn't. But and then it was. Yeah. Um, do you do you wag a finger? Do you what do you do? Uh, it, uh, no, I don't. I think it's so. Do you so, see the look on their faces when they when they get the laugh and they're surprised? Oh yeah, and it's wonderful because then you see them blossom. And I don't. God bless them for not trusting. Like I get it. It's scary. It's very scary to get out there, and especially like for these actors, they are so um, tits out. You know, they're just out there doing their doing, staying really tough, difficult material. And for some of them, you know, the woman who's playing the modern Orthodox Jewish person, she's a full-on secular reformed Jew. It's like this is and and. It's anathema. anathema to her. Yeah. And she's saying it. She's giving it 150%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and she is actually hysterically funny. Mm-hmm. But so so I I am grateful to them. Mm-hmm. And then when there's a surprise that they realize all this stuff that could be perceived as intellectual or or, or difficult to grasp, is it, 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 it's got a layer of funny that allows it to be accessed easier. They're just relieved. And then I'm like, I'm relieved for you. Now go have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, then mm-hmm. they can have fun. Right. I, you know, I want them to have fun. So, and then I think there was one moment where I went, do you see what I'm saying? I've been saying that. (laughs) Trust me. I've done this before. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But you didn't say I told you so, which is nice. Yeah. You don't need to. And uh, I I want to get you to picking up your son on time. Yes. So. uh, Because one time I was late and he stood in the hall and he said, I was thinking, what is happening in my life? <laughs> How old is he? He's How old eight. was he? He's eight. Well, he was seven then. What is happening in my life? <laughs> wow. That's so... Oh, and then he said, Mama, something's happened to you. What is it? Traffic. Oh, Toronto oh, traffic. God. I don't know. Toronto traffic. Exactly. And, he, and then he said, and don't say Toronto traffic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he won't buy that one anymore. Okay, so we know that uh, Unholy is going to get produced as a play next year. Yay. What's What are you working on? Um, I have a couple. I have another theater project that I'm kind of working on it's it's uh it's it's sort of a similar it's it's really more about the collision of the gay and the jew yeah so that's going to be fun bless Um, you thank you the gay and the jew (laughs) good jew (laughs) and just writing some new things in development i am doing a show i'm doing acting in a play at the end of the uh buddy season which will be fun because just acting yeah and the play is called it's called body politic and it's very interesting because it's all about the the founding of the gay movement here in toronto in canada so yeah is it funny I, i think it's pretty funny Okay. We'll see. I hope so. Sometimes the gay. I know. We take little ourselves the a little precious. too serious. A little of the precious. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Good, good, good. Well, Diane Flax, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, thank amazing. You, how fun was this, how ama- Adam? How amazing yeah. was this and how uh, easy was it? Mm. So I hope you'll come back. Because uh, we'll be doing the Art of Comedy until uh, we start doing a full-on show mm. uh, in January. We'll launch, uh, I believe, January 12th. Awesome. Um, called I Just Want want to say this about that nice reviving the art of conversation which Great. will start at three days a week two hours a day and then move to five days a week so um there's a place for you there always well i thank you i'd you love know, to i would thank love you. to have you back so this has been the art of comedy i'm maggie casella shannon mcdonough has joined us with our very special guest diane flax here at the peach gallery in the beautiful west end of toronto thanks for listening we'll see you next week when we have marta chavez mm. a very political very very brave yeah brave and awesome I mean, brave comic yep. uh, she'll be joining us thanks for listening 